very much too hot with the kangaroo, so what did I do? I went to Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> and I made that comedy side guys. Oh yeah! Comedy side guys. Haha! Comedy side guys. Oh yes! Comedy side guys. Go dance! Over a hill and under a misty mountain. Deep within the unceded Musqueam territory of Vancouver, British Columbia, I'm Doug Vandalay with another episode of Comedy Zeitgeist. You can follow the show on Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist and pester me at Doug Vandalay. Hello to everybody listening on CITR 101.9 here for the first 30 minutes of the show. Very famous. I'm joined today by Sophie Bottle. <laughs> you read my bio. Yeah, I did. That's the first place I went for uh, research. Sure. L- lots of info there condensed into two words yeah my boyfriend made my website for me and he was like do you want to tell me your bio so i can put it in so that it's easier for people who need your bio for interviews or for show promo and i was like people they they'll they'll be fine just put very famous and he's like you you actually want me to put that and i was like i was a bit a little bit stoned at the time sure but that's my bio now it gave me a bit of a laugh (laughs) seeing that i haven't seen that before so uh it's unique. It makes you stand out. Sure. And I always struggle to find like an opening, uh, like an intro joke. Yeah. It's kind of like a bit I do here. And that was an easy one. Two <laughs> words. Very famous. Yeah. So uh, your debut album is actually released today when this comes out. Oh, ne- like next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Oh, yeah. yeah. Assuming, assuming I did CD Baby correctly. Have you ever used CD Baby? No, I've never heard of it. Okay. So it's this platform that mostly musicians use to release albums independently. So I'm doing my album through it, but you have to do everything yourself. So I'm not confident that I did everything correctly. So I'm planning on it coming out on Wednesday. But if I did anything wrong, it'll be pushed back. Check after you listen to this. Should yeah. be that. It's called a, a Little Bit of Bottle, I, I yeah, think. Yeah, A Little Bit of Bottle. Uh, what can you tell us about the album? Um, so I've been doing comedy for 10 years now, and I've never really put anything out. So it's the it's kind of a culmination. I was well, so I recorded the album last year. So it's a culmination of all my favorite jokes that I've done since I started comedy. It's been a year since I recorded it. So now I listen back to it and I feel like I've changed a lot and I have new jokes that I feel define me, but I think that's good. Like I recorded those jokes when I was the happiest with them. And so at that time, like that year that was that was my perfect set, you know? And I'm glad I, I captured it. It's like, it's pretty dirty. Like a lot of my standup is, has sex jokes and, and stuff like that. But, um, I think it's like pretty silly. It's pretty light. Like I, I'm, I think I'm a bit more political now in my comedy. So this album is like, is pretty purely silly. You recorded it a year ago mm-hmm. and, uh, you've changed, uh, somewhat since then. So you, uh, as I understand, you started comedy when you were 15. Yeah. Stand up. How is uh, your material different now than it was then? Um, well, when I the first couple of years I was doing stand up, I was just it was just bad. It was just r- terrible. Um, so hopefully I'm better since then. I've improved. But well, and then also, so when I started comedy, I I told people that I was older than I was, so that I could get into bars and stuff like that. So I did a lot of stuff that I thought adults talked about, but is inaccurate. Like, I had sex jokes before I was having sex. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Have any jokes from then uh, stayed in your current rotation? Yeah, I have one. I have one joke that I still do from, um, like, high school. Do you care to share what that one is? 
Okay, you have to laugh though if you're gonna okay. get me to tell a joke. I can put in a raucous laugh track. Okay, yeah, 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 and applause. Yeah, yeah I'll um, do that. A standing ovation sort of noise. Okay, yeah, no problem. So I say, I'll condense it a little. I, I say like, um, I asked my boyfriend if there was any like sexual fantasy thing that he liked, and he told me that he has a schoolgirl fantasy, and I was like, oh, that's gross, but you know, I'll do that. Um, what are you looking for? Like pigtails and like backpack, and is that what you like? And he was like, no, I would just really love it if you went back to school. Yeah, massive laugh track right there. That's my oldest joke. I think I wrote that when I was like 16, but I still do it. I think the only reason I I wasn't super loud with that is because I have seen that joke uh, before. I saw you open for Reggie Watts. Oh, yeah. Which was a really cool show. Yeah, at the Vogue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How do you get involved with that? uh, Was it through Reggie or through... Sure, Reggie. I've opened for him a couple of times before. Um, he's a friend of mine. He gave me the the title to my album, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, he's great. So we met in L.A. a couple of years ago on a show. And then I went back to L.A., stayed in his guest room. He's, he's very, he's really nice. He's very generous. And I've opened for him quite a few times. I opened for him in Toronto at the Sony Center, which is might, might be the biggest show I've ever done. I think it's like 3,000 people. I don't know. Crazy. Yeah, but um, he's really cool and he's really creative. And he always has um, like a comic opening for him and a musician and like dancers. And like he he's so good at every different artistic medium that he, he seems to get along with everybody in every field. It's pretty cool. It's good to know that uh, he's a lot like his public persona then. Oh, yeah, he's super cool. Um, I did actually uh, interview him very briefly for JFL, but it was over the phone. And I'm not sure, and I don't want to put anyone on blast here, but I think no one had told him it was going to happen. <laughs> is that I got given a phone number, and I, and I dialed it, like, long distance, which doesn't fit on my plan, but that's okay. <laughs> and he just picks up, like, uh, hello? Oh, just surprised? Yeah, and, and then I said who I was and what I was doing. And then uh, we had the interview, and I think he was driving around at the time. It's possible. Uh, but it was all right. I was like, th- this is kind of like my biggest interview of all time. And I feel like we're both unprepared. <laughs> well, he's also kind of a stoner. He might have just been a little spacey that day. Yeah, maybe. I actually have an interesting story about him driving around. Oh, please. So in Toronto, when I opened for him, um, he had rented a car. And we were both on a on another show after the show, after like his show. We were doing Andy Kindler's um, alternative show. And... He had rented, I don't know if it was a Maserati or like a Bugatti, but like just the nicest car I've ever seen in my life. And that's what he had rented. He had rented it from some guy in town that had it. And so he like drove me there in it. And you get in and you feel like you're in a spaceship because you're like so far back. I don't know if you've been in like a cool sports car before, but like it's insane. And yeah, no, I've never been in, in such a cool car in my life. And he has a Tesla in LA too. He's like, he's a car guy. So you're like really low to the ground in that thing. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so fast. Like it feels, it doesn't feel like you're in a car. Crazy. I, I, I never pictured him driving like nice cars like that. I know because he seems like, because of his music and stuff, I feel like he seems more grunge. Like yeah. he would have like a, I mean, like more of a um, like, like a Mustang bicycle or, some, or something. Yeah, or something. Yeah, but he's also like he's really into technology and he's really into VR, 
and like just like cutting edge stuff so it kind of makes sense i kind of associate cars with technology now yeah more so i don't drive so i don't i'm not really a car person but yeah i think he, cool. he said he was doing like a vr set uh now yeah well, which i think is pretty cool i thought he was getting involved with some kind of vr company but i don't know oh i guess that uh remains to be seen yeah uh what's it like riding on this hour is 22 minutes it's good. The season's over now, so I get to chill for the summer. But it's cool. That, that was my first writing job for a TV show, so I didn't really know what to expect. But it really felt like I was telling my dad that like when I got this job and I started working, it's really long hours and it's very you have to read a lot all day and absorb it and then understand it and then write jokes about it. So I was a, a bit concerned, but I really f- feel like that kind of pressure turns your brain on. I really felt like my brain was working at its full capacity. And I said that to my dad and my dad was like, yeah, most people feel that when they're in school. And I was like, oh yeah, no, this is definitely the first time I've, I've felt engaged. Yeah, I find uh, I, I can't really do anything creative without a deadline. Yeah, me too. I'm the same way. And I love a deadline because like, even if I do it an hour before the deadline, if I have a deadline, it'll get done. And that's something I'm struggling with right now because I'm working on my visa to go to the States and, and it takes a lot of paperwork. We have to write like like 15 letters from people kind of endorsing you and you have to write them so that all of the things legally that you need are in them so that you don't ask someone to write you a letter and then something's wrong so then you have to correct them and tell them to do it again so you have to write them all send them to people and they write them and it's just so boring and it's so tedious and I don't have a deadline it's just it's just like it's just up to me and I can't do it. It's just like, it's so boring. It's the only thing holding me back from my dreams and I cannot do it. And it's very stressful. My therapist has heard a lot about it. Um, are you affiliated at all, at all with the uh, CASC? CASC? Yeah. Um, I'm a member. CASC. I've never said it out loud that way. Although that's probably how it's said. No, it's probably how you said it. I just always... CASC, CASC is better. It's, it's quicker to say. But yeah, that's one thing they're advocating for is trying to... Uh, get open work for comics in the states yeah as well because the the other way around uh when i interviewed ivan decker he was talking about how they just have to pay 50 dollars or something yeah they just come, come up here, here and perform and then you can perform down there and get arrested yeah like, yeah it's insane you have to lie at the border like it's so unnecessary and it's so expensive but you know what i i just have to do it gotta yeah. keep moving i've like as of this year this is gonna sound like a humble brag but as of this year i've done every televised festival in canada i'm like i'm putting out my album i've started a podcast i ran a successful monthly show like i've i've kind of hit the ceiling in canada like there's nothing really else for me to do here and that's not really about me being good that's just kind of how low the ceiling is and it's frustrating because i really wish i could stay here because i really love canada and i love vancouver in particular i think the comedy scene here is amazing. I think living here is, I think it's the best city in the world to live in. And I wish, I really wish there was more to do. And there are people like uh, Cask and Zoe Rabinett at Just for Laughs that are doing a lot for Canadians and Ben Miner, but at uh, Sirius XM, who he, he uh, plays people's comedy albums on the radio and that makes Canadian comedians uh, able to make a living. But there's just, there's, there's no system in place for individuals to become successful in Canada like there are two tv shows made a year like and if you're not Jerry D or whoever like you're not going to get that show 
and like I'm I'm writing on one of the only political comedy shows in Canada. There's just, there's there's not enough to expand for people that that want to do everything. I was told that once the earth was shaped like a dish. This was a time before mortals or the law. That time has long since passed, and no one tells those stories anymore. All they care to tell these days, over and over again, are the tales of Frost Cricket. Hear them all on the Cave Goblin Network. So in that you mentioned uh, your successful show, was that barely legal? Yeah. Uh, what can you tell us about that? So you don't do that anymore? No, we don't do it anymore. We so Gavin Matz, who I who I ran the show with for many years, moved to LA. He got his visa and moved there this year. So, and I'm away. I have to live in Halifax, right, for 22 minutes. So we've both been away for a year. So right. it's not really we're not able to do a monthly show, which is too bad because it was really fun and a lot of people. We had a lot of loyal fans from from doing it for so many years, but the the last the last draw was kind of that. We had moved venues before because the fire marshal had uh, shut it down. And then our new venue also got shut down by the fire marshal. So it just, it's just too much. Shut down by the fire marshal. What, what were the venues? So the first one was, there's a local artist named Jake Puppy Teeth, who's, who's awesome. He's really cool. Who I think I met when I used to work at Starbucks and I was like his barista. And then I followed him on Instagram and he's got really, really cool stuff. Is his gallery in Chinatown. He just like owns or rents the top floor of this shady building. So there's like a couple different art spaces, a couple different apartments. Uh, one of the rooms was uh, his store for some of the merch, like t-shirts and stuff that he makes. And then there's this big open studio area that they throw raves at. And we did a comedy show there and it was really fun. Like people would come. There's like always needles in the front door. You have to go up these stairs. You don't feel like it's a show, but it was like, that was awesome. That's how we started. And we were there for about a year until the fire marshal shut them down. I think during a party or a rave or something. Right. And then Gavin found Slice of Life. I'm wearing Slice of Life shirt now. It's um, like this cool little art gallery at Commercial and Venables. They got like a half pike in the back. Like half pipe? Half pike? Skateboard word? Half pipe. Pipe? Because it's half a pipe. Oh. Like, yeah. That makes sense. That's a good visual for me. Thank you. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> glad, glad I could be a service there. Yeah, so that was that was a great venue while it lasted as well, but everyone just keeps getting shut down. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. You hear, ever hear about Squat Melt in LA? Squat Melt? Yeah. You know you know uh, Howard Kramer? Um, yes, I do, actually. You actually know him in real life? Or I've you know met of- him. I don't know if he would recognize me, but I met him like when I was in LA last. Oh, he's one of my favorite comics. Oh, yeah. He's so funny. Anyway, he hosts a show called Squat Melt that used to be outside Meltdown Comics in LA. Oh, but it yeah. it keeps getting moved around. It's called Squat Melt because they're just squatting there and doing it in an alley. <laughs> they got like no lighting or mics or anything and comics just show up and crowds show up. There's no cover. Oh, that's awesome. They're, one time the fire department showed up and um, used the spotlight from their truck to light the show. That's really sick. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever go to Meltdown? When that show was happening? No, I didn't. That's where Reggie and I met doing Meltdown. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I, I need to go. Next time I go to LA, I want to go there on just like a comedy tour. Yeah, Meltdown doesn't have like the Meltdown comedy show with Kumail and Jonah anymore because they're, they're too famous to really run anymore, I think is the reason. But I think that they do another show there. 
now, but I don't Maybe. know what it is. I think Meltdown got shut down. I think that's why... I think that was, like, a whole thing. Wasn't it owned by, like, Chris Hardwick or something? Oh, maybe. Well, I, I, I think I think that the show itself ended right. because uh, Jonah and Kumail were too busy to host it. Yeah. But I think that somebody else took it over. I think somebody else does the show there now. Cool. Well, uh, I don't know enough about it to keep talking about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's lead back to some questions I missed uh, when we were talking about when you started. Uh, what were the challenges of starting so young? Just not having a lot that i wanted to say but, but i and like i think what was good about that is that you just end up focusing on joke structure and theory and stuff like that because the focus isn't your ideas yeah um so it's good in that way but bad in the way that i don't really felt like i had any substance or opinions really which i think is is important for comedy to have that uh it's also hard because so much of comedy is especially at the beginning is the socializing and I like I said I had lied about my age like so but I had lied like to everyone about my age so when everyone found out how old I was people were kind of mad at me so I felt like the socializing was not ideal for me I I messed it up but it wasn't as friendly as I know it was for most other people when they start this is a, a question from someone who has another podcast on our network. So you did Blind Tiger sketch comedy classes? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, did that affect your stand-up material at all? I think so. I did a sketch writing class because I had never d- done anything except stand-up. And I think that that was great. But I don't, I don't know if it affected my stand-up as much as it really saved my ass a bit when I got the 22 minutes job. Right. I had, besides that class, I had done no interactions with sketch at all. So learning, learning the formats and learning some of the games and learning some of the, there's, there's a lot of things in everything, like in screenwriting and stand-up and sketch, where if you're told the rules, it's just easier than trying to figure them out yourself. Yeah. And it makes a big difference, I find. Um, so yeah, I found those classes really helpful. What are your favorite rooms in Vancouver, other than the, uh, the shutdown ones? Oh, Yeah. Well, Laugh Gallery on Monday on commercial that Graham Clark hosts is is one of the best shows in the world, I think, like for stand up. He I don't know any other headliner at his level that hosts their own weekly show every week. Like that's such dedication to stand up. And have you been to that show before? No, I haven't. So he goes to like Value Village and thrift shops and stuff like that and buys funny prizes every week to give away. So when you come in and when you buy a ticket, you get a Trivial Pursuit card. And then in between the comedians while he's hosting, he'll draw he'll draw a number. You get like a number. And then if he draws you, then you ask him a Trivial Pursuit question on your card. And if he gets it right, you win a prize. Like you win one of the funny prizes. And I don't know any other show like that. Like it's it's fun every week. You get to bring home a little thing. It's just it's genius. And Graham's one of the best stand up comics ever. So to see him work on new stuff every week too, it's like, it's incredible to see. It feels it feels very New York or LA, but it's in Vancouver. Where's that at again? That's at Havana on Commercial on Mondays at nine. Oh, cool! I think I can do that. We have a standing show uh, on Mondays here. That's like a live Twitch stream. Oh, but cool. we usually finish by then, so I might actually get to check it out. Yeah, you should. It's great. Which would be amazing. Uh, what are you working on right now? 
Um, so I've started a podcast and I tried to start a podcast a year ago, but I was doing all the technical stuff myself. And as you know, it like, it's so distracting to like, especially cause I'm not particularly good at audio engineering. So I found it really, really hard to interview someone and do all the levels and monitor and stuff and make sure it's still recording. So I had to like table it. But I've hired a producer now, and we've recorded, like, 15 episodes. And the second one just came out yesterday, second episode. But I'm very pleased with it because I've been wanting to put out a podcast forever. I think it's so good for, for comics to have a podcast. Yeah. Um, because we can't – we're not, like, musicians. You know, we can't put out a single. Like, there's no way to touch base with people that like you because it's not sustainable to put out a stand-up clip every week. Like, you'll burn through yeah. materials. And you want to save that for your album. But I think comedy, like a, a podcast by a comedian is, it's just your stand up at a different pace. It's just a little slower, but a little like more conversational, obviously. Yeah, I think it's the best. And there's like, there's obviously so many comedy podcasts, but I don't think that that's bad. I feel like people make fun of it, but I don't think that that's bad. Yeah, it's like the rising tide raises all the ships equally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, your show is Obsessed? Yeah, Obsessed with Sophie Buttle. Uh, can you tell us a bit uh, about the show itself? Yeah, so I have guests on and we talk about what we're obsessed with. And obsessed is a pretty loose term. Like, you can be obsessed with a video that you saw that day or it could be an actual obsession. Like, my friend is coming over tomorrow to talk about her OCD, like her act, or like obsessive compulsive. But we've had, like, Beyonce. We've had um, my friend Abdul did Revenge. He's obsessed with Revenge. That was a very funny episode. So Abdul Aziz? Yeah. Do you know him? Uh, yeah, I've yet to interview him. Maybe I'll uh, send him an email. You should. He's great. Yeah. He's actually, my boyfriend co-hosts the podcast, unofficially co-hosts the podcast, and he's out of town like all summer. Is so. that like a Dungeons and Dragons one he's involved with? Yeah, yeah, he has a Dungeons I and think Dragons. I've, I think I've heard Folklore. that one before. We have a show on our network where they interview Dungeon Masters. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't think Abdul is the Dungeon Master. Right. But he, yeah, it's Folklore. I've been on that podcast as well, the cool. Dungeons and Dragons one. But yeah, Abdul is uh, is filling in as the unofficial co-host in the summer while my boyfriend is gone because he's great. He's an excellent guest. Yeah, I think I saw episode one was with uh, Kevy from Six O Four. Oh yeah, about you know him podcasts. As well? Oh yeah, his obsession was podcasts. I worked with them a bit. Like I went to the Spring Fling. I saw you kill there. Oh thanks, I did. You kill like every show um, <laughs> that I've seen. It's nice of you to say. I th- I think I don't know maybe like I moved to canada in july of 2017 mm-hmm. and everything was just sophie but alive and decker everywhere really yeah because um, i was like just getting into interviewing comedians for uh for discorder and um citr and stuff and now i do my own stuff but uh yeah that's that was all around town did you were you gonna review a show at the fox that was me. Was I w- that you? That was me. I oh was, my god! Okay, okay. I wasn't gonna bring that up. I didn't want to like uh, oh my god, sour no. the air. So I was asking. I was asking like my boyfriend and Gavin. I was like, that happened like a couple years ago. Do you think that that's gonna come up? And then they were like, Nah, no. It's but it's like that. I remember that email. I remember that was you. That's crazy. Oh, I got a free drink out of it. Oh, so. that's good. <laughs> so it it all worked out in the end. Oh yeah, that's so. Should we talk about that? It's kind of a do funny you, story. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. All right. Cool. So um, do you like? Do you want to tell like the discorder side of it first? Yeah. I, all right. Let's do that. So the the editor who told me about it is no longer the editor, and I won't say her name. Okay. But uh, a discorder reviewer reviewed Barely Legal, I think. Yeah. And I wasn't even at that show, by the way. Yeah, and I don't really remember the rest, but. 
it was like a pretty negative review and then um you and or gavin would then you you were selling fuck discord of shirts for a while i think no gavin just made one that he gave away at the show oh okay um but so yeah so the review honestly was not that negative like like comedy review shows like it's pretty basic like first paragraph last paragraph or kind of like intro extra and then each paragraph in the middle is like each comedian you see and like a little, little mini review on them yeah so the overall like the beginning and the end were both like yeah it was a good show but the the actual like paragraphs about each comedian the only ones that got positive reviews were the americans in town and that's like a, a real sore spot i think for all canadian comedians because right. we we get treated like nothing you know in canada a lot of the time like i'm i personally feel like lucky and stuff but it's true that americans like come for example come up here more easily and and get paid more to do the same shows that we do and uh get better festival spots and get this and get that so when there's like someone in town and they're doing a spot on our show we're obviously very thankful that they're coming in town and doing a spot but we want to treat the canadian comics with respect that we feel they deserve and like I wasn't at the show, but I'm sure that the Americans weren't the only ones that did well. Right. So it's just, um, it's a sore spot for, I think, understandably, for, for Canadian yeah. comics to be... Well, I definitely hadn't heard that angle before. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what happened. That's what we were upset about. So Gavin and I, we were living together at the time. So yep. we emailed together. I don't remember whose email we were on, but we emailed together the Discord of people and we said, we kind of explained that situation and then they they wrote back and i don't even remember what the vibe was but they were just kind of like um it's fine like we're just gonna leave it and then we were like okay well fuck you guys yeah and it, it was more... well i think they were coming from a, an angle of they didn't want to censor their writers because oh that's what yeah. it was that's what it was and yeah like still that's and it's like a student thing so like she's probably not a comedy reviewer the yeah the girl that wrote it but yeah, that's so. Then, um, flash forward to Foxhole, I was doing this show, and then somebody told me that Discorder was coming to review it. Oh no, I was gonna headline. That's what it was. And then someone asked me if they were cool with someone coming to yeah. review the show. They're from Discorder, and then I thought that it was like probably like the that same, same person. girl, and she was gonna come and write something mean about me. I was so confused because I was new in town as well. Yeah, and um, so. At the time, I had only just got started with Discorder as well. It was maybe, maybe my third or fourth review, and um, yeah, I really just started started digging about it because I I didn't know what had happened at all. But it, it's cool to hear both sides of it. Yeah, yeah. So, so they give you a free drink. Did you come the next week? I, or something? Yeah, I came the next week and uh, got comp drinks for uh, me and Talia. So <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so that was good. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who headlined. It's still my main memory of it is getting turned away, but I wasn't sour about it because um, Jackie, who runs the show, uh, she's awesome. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. She, she she was apologetic, and um, yeah, I think I asked the editor at the time and got it briefly explained. But yeah, in the past now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, and this will be on CITR, so cool. hopefully this is rebuilding a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. If. if- I start another show ever. You're more than welcome to come review it. Okay, great. Uh, Well, I'll hold you to that. Yeah. Um, Is there anything you'd like to plug before we wrap up? 
Uh, yeah, I'd like to plug my album, uh, Little Bit of Bottle. Uh, Lil is L-I-L, not Little. Right. Um, and my podcast, Obsessed with Sophie Buttle. Um, yeah, and then I'm online and stuff, but those are my those are my things right now. Cool, so uh, that should be out right now, that album, Little mm-hmm. Bit of Buttle. Uh, where can people download that? Um, it'll be on Apple Music. Um, I don't know. I just, I did on CD Baby, they give you like a thing, like where do you want it to be available? And I just did check all. So I assume everywhere it'll be available. Cool. Well, uh, just Google it, I yeah. guess. You'll find it. Google it, losers. You're already online. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming and talking to me today, Sophie. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can follow the Cave Goblin Network on all social media at Cave Goblins or check out what we're doing over on cavegoblins.com. Please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on iTunes or Podchaser. It's the best way you can help the show for free. If you're feeling a little more generous, head over to patreon.com forward slash cavegoblins for some exclusive content. I've been Doug Vandalay, and this has been Comedy Zeitgeist. See you next time. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.